Hello, Middle-Earth Wanderers. Today we are exploring the lore in Amazon's Rings of Power Episode 5, Partings. We'll look at some lore underpinnings for Adar and the M&M-like cultist people, as well as the Stranger. But then I want to point out some major deviations from Tolkien's lore, including the portrayal of the Numenorians and the controversial origin story for Mithril. As always, if you like what you hear today, please leave a rating and review. And make sure you're subscribed to hear all my latest episodes. And in the show notes, you'll find links to purchase the books that I reference. And you'll also find a link to Red Circle, where you can leave a financial donation. Doing so helps me to continue wandering Middle-earth with you. Welcome! In the Lore of the Rings podcast, we wander the world of J.R.R. Tolkien by exploring the foundational epic stories from the deep past of Middle-earth. If you enjoyed Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Bagovanian, fellow wanderers. Let's start with Adar. Is he Sauron? In episode 4, he didn't respond well when that guy asked if he was Sauron. This could have been because, as Aragorn explains to Legolas and Gimli, quote, neither does he use his right name nor permit it to be spelt or spoken. I'm not sure what his plan is, but he seems to aim to become like a god. And soon the sun will be gone, almost like he's predicting the use of smoke and clouds to block out the sun and cover the lands in darkness. That was Morgoth's response when the sun first rose to the sky. Quote, With shadows he hid himself and his servants from the sun, and the lands near his dwelling were shrouded in fumes and great clouds. Adar, or Sauron, if he really is Sauron, will need the cloud cover so that the orcs can more freely do their work. But an interesting detail about Adar. If you look closely at the neck plate of his armor, it looks to me to have the same design as High King Gilgalad's armor, just more worn and rusty. The Stranger. So many theories still surround this guy. We don't even know if he's good or bad. Followers of the Man of the Moon theory will be excited to see the obvious connection of the Stranger staring up at the stars as the camera pulls up to focus on the moon. I still haven't bought into any of these theories, but I was reminded of this interesting description of Gandalf from the Silmarillion. Quote, For though he loved the elves, he walked among them unseen, or in forms as one of them, and they did not know whence came the fair visions or the promptings of wisdom that he put into their hearts. So it's possible that Gandalf was wandering Middle-earth before the Third Age, and the stranger certainly looks confused. He's learning to speak and apparently doesn't know the extent of his powers, or what it's like to have a physical body. I was reading Tolkien's Unfinished Tales and found a passage that sheds a little light on the stranger. The Valar, the gods who govern the world, are debating which of the Maiar, those spirits that serve the Valar, of which Sauron was one, they should send to Middle-earth. Quote, Who would go? For they must be mighty, peers of Sauron, but must forego might, and clothe themselves in flesh, so as to treat equally and win the trust of elves and men but this would imperil them, dimming their wisdom and knowledge and confusing them with fears, cares, and weariness coming from the flesh. I mean, that description right there fits the stranger perfectly. So, is he Gandalf? Maybe. Is he one of the Astari sent by the Valar? Most likely. The stranger is certainly one of the Maiar, as demonstrated by his powers, but who he is and why he's there is still a mystery. A mystery, in fact, that three cultists looking like people are highly interested in. They examine the crater left by the stranger and seem to have some magical reading ability. There is some evidence that Sauron established cults to worship the dark 
and even among the Numenorians, there was a cult that sought to overcome death. But I can't find any details of these cults, or know why they would have a giant plate with a constellation on the back, searching through the crater of a Maiar fallen to Middle-earth. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Now, some criticisms for Rings of Power, starting with Numenor. This kingdom of men is the pinnacle, the highest civilization of humans that Middle-earth and its surrounding lands will ever know. The humans there are blessed with long life, and have a close relationship with elves, before the resentment for immortality made them bitter and angry enough to rebel against the Valar. Yet, what have we seen from Numenor so far? Based on the scenes that we see of them, they care about two things. Getting promoted and getting drunk. Apparently, the only thing important is to have a job, one that an elf could steal, and making sure that you get promoted in that job. In almost every scene with Isildur or Elindil, just count how many times the word promotion comes up. And I really can't stand Isildur. The guy looks like a puppy that's just been kicked. He is a trust fund baby asking for handouts. This is supposed to be the guy who resists Sauron's orders and saves a fruit from the white tree Nimloth? This is supposed to be the guy who will cut the ring from Sauron's hand? I have a hard time buying that. I really hope they turn this character arc around, because how he's portrayed so far is really not inspiring. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about the origin for Mithril that Elrond recounts for Gilgalad. To answer your first question, no, this story is entirely a Rings of Power invention and not one of J.R.R. Tolkien origin. Elrond even sets up the tale that way, claiming that it's apocryphal, meaning it's likely not even a true story. This story is among the most controversial lore aspects that Rings of Power has introduced so far, so at least they have the safety valve of, hey, it's apocryphal anyway, right? But let's give them the benefit of the doubt and explore the lore at the roots of the Mithril origin story. First, where did the Silmarils end up? One is easy. Eärendil carries a Silmaril on his ship as the evening star. We even see this portrayed in this episode, as we see the giant statue of Eärendil with a shining gem on his brow and a bright star in the distance. The other two Silmarils were claimed by two of Feanor's sons. One brother, with a Silmaril burning in his hand, quote, being in anguish and despair, he cast himself into a gaping chasm filled with fire, and so ended, and the Silmaril that he bore was taken into the bosom of the earth. The other brother, quote, could not endure the pain with which the Silmaril tormented him, and he cast it at last into the sea. So the fate of the three Silmarils is fairly well documented. Why would one Silmaril be hidden in a tree at the top of the Misty Mountains, leagues and leagues away from where the brothers claimed the Silmarils? and not connected to any of their final resting places. Quote, one in the airs of heaven, one in the fires of the heart of the world, and one in the deep waters. So I'm going to say debunked on that detail for Mithril's origin. Next, is there precedent for an elf warrior fighting a Balrog? Yes, several in fact. 
The clearest example is that of Glorfindel. Glorfindel was a mighty elf who fought a Balrog while the surviving elves of Gondolin were escaping in the mountains. Eärendil was among them. Even though he defeated the Balrog, Glorfindel also died in that battle. We covered his story in episode 30 of this podcast. Now that we've looked at the precedent for the tale, let's explore the controversial complications that this tale introduces. The first problem I see with this tale is that it completely twists one of Tolkien's major themes. That is the nature of good versus evil. Forgive the cross-franchise intrusion, but let me contrast Lord of the Rings with Star Wars for just a minute. In Star Wars, good and evil are two sides that must be balanced. There will always be light and dark, and it's the interplay, the combination of those forces, in which heroes like Anakin, Luke, and Rey rise and fall. This view of good and evil is called dualism. Not so in Tolkien's world. In Tolkien's world, good will always win, and will eventually win in such a way that no more evil will exist. However, to arrive at a world where good wins requires great trial, passing through sorrow, sacrifice, and rising to the challenge that has been placed in front of you. Whether that challenge is that the One Ring could be yours, or the weaknesses of being immortal, or the weariness of being immortal. All things, even the actual physical world, will be marred by evil. But if they persist and rise to the challenge, good will emerge stronger and wiser for having passed through the evil. This theme is not dualism, as seen in Star Wars. So let's return to the apocryphal creation of Mithril. An elven warrior imbibes the tree with his light, and a Balrog fills it with hatred. Add lightning and boom, Mithril! These are symbols of dualism, the combination of good and evil forces. And Gilgalad even described Mithril as, quote, a power as pure and light as good, as strong and unyielding as evil. That sentence right there is just not Tolkien. The idea simply doesn't fit. It breaks the themes of Tolkien. It breaks the rules of the world that he created. For sake of argument, though, let's assume that it doesn't. Let's assume that in Tolkien's world, good and evil can be combined. With that assumption in place, why not use the ring against Sauron? Yes, the ring is altogether evil, as Gandalf is prone to say, but if good people use it to defend the free peoples of Middle-earth, then the ring could be a good thing, right? Well, if this is true, then what is the harm of Gandalf taking the ring? Or Aragorn taking the ring to Minas Tirith and letting Boromir use it against the enemy? What is the temptation of Galadriel, the last test she must pass to lift the ban of the Valar so she can return to Valinor? Even Samwise Gamgee, good and loyal Sam, the briefest bearer of the One Ring, was tempted by the ring. Quote, Wild fantasies arose in his mind, and he saw Samwise the Strong, hero of the age, striding with a flaming sword across the darkened land, armies flocking to his call as he marched to the overthrow of Baradur, and at his command the Vale of Gorogoroth became a garden of flowers and trees and brought forth fruit. He had only to put on the ring and claim it for his own, and all this could be. In a dualistic view of good versus evil, if the ring's evil power actually could be put to good uses, then all of these temptations, the temptation for Gandalf, Boromir, Gladriel, and Sam to use the ring, would mean absolutely nothing. These temptations and the stories of these characters make sense only in a universe where good is absolute. 
Yet even still, evil can appear so dominating. As Sam describes, quote, Well, all I can say is, things look as hopeless as a frost in spring. To Sam, the gardener, that's about as hopeless as evil could make him. So to recap this point, the apocryphal story of Mithril, being a combination of light and hatred of good and evil, breaks Tolkien's world and doesn't fit. But the foundation has been laid, so what is the next set of assumptions that Gilgalad, Celebrimbor, and Elrond make? The elves are dwindling, as represented by the black goo on their great tree. They thought they could stop it by sending away the one elf among them who had actually seen the light of the two trees, the very elf whose hair is a reflection of the mingled light of the trees, whose hair was the inspiration for Feanor to create the Silmarils. The one elf who I made the case in episode 42 of this podcast is the actual personification of the two trees and their light, Galadriel. Somehow, by sending her away, the black goo would be reversed. Nope, that didn't work. So on to the next guest. Let's find a secret substance that is supposedly made of combining light and darkness and stirring it with a lightning bolt, somehow acquire vast substances of it, whatever that means, and then somehow transfer the alleged light of the Silmaril in that substance back into the elves to save them from doondling. Yes, this makes a lot of sense. No way this could not work. I have no words for this. I have really tried to give Rings of Power the benefit of the doubt, up until this point. To be fair, though, it, it seems we finally know what the central conflict is for the series. It only took five episodes to get there. I pose a few questions here. One, do the elves in Middle-earth dwindle and fade? One exchange between Galadriel and Frodo would suggest so. When Galadriel explains that if Frodo is successful, then the power of the remaining rings will be diminished, and, quote, we must depart into the west, or dwindle to a rustic folk of dell and cave, slowly to forget and to be forgotten. And Gandalf says to Aragorn after his coronation, quote, For though much has been saved, much must now pass away, and the power of the three rings also is ended, and all the lands that you see, and those that lie around about them, shall be dwellings of men, for the time comes of the dominion of men, and the elder kindred shall fade or depart. And to go back to the Silmarillion, when the sun and moon were created, we read, quote, The sun was set as a sign for the awakening of men, and the waning of the elves. So yes, it appears the elves are on the gradual decline in Middle-earth. Two, will Mithril save them? I have nothing for you on this, except a big question mark. But let me challenge my own interpretation of the Mithril origin story that I just laid out for you. Perhaps there's a genius plot twist being laid out right under our noses. Remember what Adar says to Arondir in episode 4? Quote, you have been told many lies. Some run so deep, even the rocks and roots now believe them. Combine that statement to Elrond's reaction to the Mithril origin story. Quote, an obscure legend regarded by most to be apocryphal. And let's remember one of Sauron's greatest powers, deception. So the elves are dwindling, and they believe they can harness the light of a Silmaril from Mithril to reverse that dwindling. Is that belief based on lies? spread forward by none other than Sauron? Has Sauron been so subtle and deceitful that the elves will buy this story? Now, the easy argument here is, elves aren't that stupid. They are much more wise than that. Maybe. Perhaps the elves of the Third Age are wise enough to see through that. But in Rings of Power, we aren't seeing elves of the Third Age, who have struggled through the evils of the Second Age, 
and have emerged wiser because of their sorrows. And let's back up to the first age. It was Feanor himself, the greatest of the Noldorine elves, who believed Morgoth's lies and led the Noldor to rebel against the Valar. So elves are not as infallible as we might think. I hope now you can see why that Mithril origin story is so controversial, and it really shakes what little faith I still had in the Rings of Power show. However, will I continue to watch Rings of Power? Absolutely. Why? Well, because, like Tolkien, I believe that good will emerge stronger and wiser from evil, and I still have hope. Hope, after all, was the name Elrond gave my favorite character of Lord of the Rings, Aragorn. As a child, he was named Estelle, the elvish word for hope. And while my faith is shaken, I still have hope. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.